Today's show is sponsored by CloudZero. For software-driven companies focused on growing margins, CloudZero is the only cloud cost intelligence platform that puts engineering in control by connecting technical decisions to business results. By analyzing cloud services like AWS and Snowflake, CloudZero provides real-time cost insights that help you maximize margins. Engineering teams can answer critical questions like, who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? What's the cost impact of re-architecting this application? With cost anomaly alerts via Slack, product-specific data views, and granular engineering context that makes it easy to investigate any cost, CloudZero is your complete cloud cost intelligence platform, connecting the dots between high-level trends and individual line items. Join companies like Drift, Rabbit7, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com slash cloudcast to get started today. That's cloudzero.com slash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well as we continue into sort of the second week of October 2022. A couple of things I want to kind of hit on before we jump into the sort of the topic for today's Sunday perspective. Number one, uh, you know, a while ago, uh, gosh, it's been it's been seven months since the the fighting has started happening in, in Ukraine. And I mentioned on one show that, um, you know, we weren't seeing any any listeners from the Ukraine. It was sort of sort of depressing. Um, you know, obviously there was more important things going on. Um, we're back. We've got we've got a few uh, coming back from the Ukraine. So. I'm glad to have you back. Um, I know things aren't uh, aren't the way you'd like them there, but uh, glad to have the, the few listeners from the Ukraine back listening to the show. Hope we're providing you some sort of something useful because I know there's a lot of hard things going on in your life. Um, but uh, glad to have you back, uh, even if it's a few of you. And uh, also, we've got a few listeners that are in Iran, and I'm, I'm kind of hoping that maybe they are um, some of the women fighting like hell for their freedom uh, in Iran. Um, so anyways, uh, again, we're, we, we sometimes bias to being too much of a U.S. audience, and we do kind of like to keep an eye on who's listening from other parts of the world. And obviously, there's a lot of things going on in the world that uh, we can't have total control over. But if there's something that we can do with our 30 minutes, 60 minutes a week, uh, that helps you get through the week, helps you learn something, and, and uh, hopefully – uh, maybe makes your life slightly better. Um, we hopefully that, that we can do that. So anyways, uh, what I want to talk about today is I want to talk a little bit about um, kind of some trends that are happening uh, at Google and Amazon. And we're going to talk about them not in that we really want to follow what those trends are, but kind of why they're happening. And the reason I bring them up is because if we go way, way, way back in the way back time machine for Cloudcast, the very first guest we ever had on the show it's a gentleman named Christian Riley, who many of you know, he's been on several times, uh, was uh, up until very, very recently, uh, CTO at, at Citrix. Um, we like to call him president of the private cloud. Um, but the reason I mention that is because way, way back, and this goes back to like the 2010-ish timeframe, I think maybe even before that, um, he came on and told us a story about when he was first kind of getting involved with the stuff that eventually became called the cloud. And uh, he was working for a company that did construction of all things, which you don't really think of as a super technology oriented thing. And he mentioned that he had come over uh, on a trip. I think he was, uh, I can't remember if he was living in the UK or if he was um, on the East coast of the US, but he was working for a UK based company. And, uh, and they had made a trip through Silicon Valley. And he sort of talked about, you know, coming and visiting a lot of the folks from Google and sort of picking up on some of the things that they were doing, really kind of being, uh, you know, eyes wide open as the things that Google was doing, what they shared about how they built their internal environments and how they ran IT and all these sort of things. 
And I only mention that because, um, you know, the articles that we're going to highlight this week are kind of the, the flip side of that, right? People um, sort of looking at Google and Amazon and some of the really big cloud companies um, and sort of, you know, hyper hyperscalers, web scale companies, whatever we want to call them, and sort of looking at some of the pains they're going through, the growth pains, the things that they're going through. Um, and I, you know, I'm calling this show something about like, you know, where's my 20%. And again, one of the things that Christian highlighted when he made his initial trip, and again, more than a decade ago, was this really kind of incredible concept of, hey, they give their, their people 20% of their time to work on new and innovative and, and interesting things. And again, that was sort of, you know, right at the beginning of, you know, the latest, kind of boom we had in our industry from about 2008 or nine all the way through, you know, say this last year or so. Uh, pretty amazing 12, 13 year run in terms of innovation and so forth. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about what 20% means for Google and what they're what they're pushing on their employees and maybe what some of those things might trickle down as to how they might impact you and your job, um, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, now that we're in sort of a shifting economy and, and some of the things that might be changing. So we're going to talk about that after the break. Buffering. How annoying. Annoying. Did you know that 17 out of 20 people stop watching a video because of stalling and rebuffering? Don't let your users click away to a competitor's site. If your business lies on online media, rely on CDN 77 to deliver a seamless online experience to your audience. CDN 77 is one of the leading global providers of content delivery network services. They power the world's most popular websites and apps such as Udemy, ESL Gaming, Live Sports TV, and social media platforms. Aside from their massive and redundant global network, you're going to love their no BS attitude and skilled team of engineers ready to help 24-7. No chatbots, no tickets bouncing around unresolved for days, just people who know your use case and can immediately help you pinpoint and fix the problems. Don't wait until your users run out of patience. Go to cdn77.com slash cloudcast and ask for a free trial with no duration or traffic limits. That's cdn77.com slash cloudcast. Datadog is a SaaS cloud monitoring and security platform that enables full-stack observability for modern infrastructure and applications at any scale. Providing teams dashboarding, alerting, application performance monitoring, infrastructure monitoring, UX monitoring, security monitoring, and log management in one tightly integrated platform, plus 450-plus out-of-the-box integrations with technologies including cloud providers, databases, and web servers. Aggregate all your data into one platform for seamless correlation, enabling teams to troubleshoot and collaborate together in one place, preventing downtime and enhancing performance and reliability. Get started with a free 14-day trial by visiting datadog.com slash cloudcast. That's datadog.com slash cloudcast. And we're back. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about uh, this evolution of, of the 20% uh, over at Google. And we're not going to frame this up around Google because quite honestly, um, Google is such an immensely large company and they do so many, uh, you know, just ginormous things that, that interact with with your daily life that, um, you know, it's kind of hard to, to frame up what it is. But it's interesting, like I said, when we first started the show, 20% at Google was intended to be you know, sort of you work, well, I'm not going to say you work a four day week and, and 20% of your time, which would be the fifth day of the week was, uh, you know, was, was intended for you to work on your sort of 20% project or innovation. Who knows? They might've been working 80 hours a week and, you know, 20% of that was, was allowed to be allocated towards that. But what's interesting is, you know, we're, we're now shifting into a different time period, different economy, different size companies. And there's an article out a week or two ago, a number of articles kind of about Google, uh, you know, and some people sort of leaked, I guess, their internal meetings. And one of the guidance from their CEO was we're going to 
look for greater productivity out of people. And they think they can get 20% greater productivity out of people if they really focus on doing this. And it's an interesting thing because, you know, these types of things tend to happen not so much just at Google, but they can happen at any company. And they tend to happen for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, it's very rarely that just out of the blue, you sort of go, hey, we, we should drive greater productivity. Um, and I say that because for the most part, that's been um, as more and more people are, you know, working in sort of white collar jobs uh, in, you know, kind of desk jobs, you know, kind of thinking types of jobs, as opposed to, especially in our industry, you know, things that aren't physical labor, you're not getting your hands dirty, you're not going uh, home every night with a sore back and sore muscles and all those sort of things. You're, you know, they're sort of brain jobs or what used to be called at Microsoft sit and think jobs. And, you know, for the most part, there was kind of an always a a thing of like, how do we make these knowledge workers more productive? And we didn't always used to call it out. It wasn't always like, hey, this year we're going to try and make evil 3% more productive, but we were always introducing new tools. And a lot of this, you know, if you if you work at all or deal with any SaaS stuff, you know, there's there's always five new tools that can potentially make you more productive. So, you know, it's a little unusual when something sort of explicitly comes out and says, hey, we're going to try and make people more productive. And in the case of Google, you know, and, and this is not unusual for a lot of companies that grow quite a bit, you know, just to put this in perspective, you know, over the last, uh, I think I read in 2019, Google had about 119,000 engineers, and now they have about 174,000 engineers, right? So, you know, you can imagine adding 50 plus thousand engineers over a couple of years is, a, is you know, that in and of itself is... Uh, an enormous task. And if you th- if you've ever been through the Google hiring process, and many of you have, um, you know that you know it's a it's a five or six person process, and and that's just to sort of get you through the hey, are you smart enough to be at Google? But that's not unusual for most companies. You'll typically have three, four, five interviews before you maybe get to the hiring manager or whatever. But thirty thousand people is about one hundred and fifty people a day new to the company. And then you factor in, you know, how much overhead goes on in terms of the hiring process, all those people that have to somehow interview people. And then you start adding up all of the other things that go on, right? Uh, New hire days, um, new hire uh, weeks, new hire months, um, you know, all the questions of where is this, where is that? And right off the top of the, (laughs) right off the top, you could easily probably take 20% of, you know, unproductive time for people just in terms of that, because quite honestly, no company is going to uh, measure hiring as something that was creating productivity. Uh, they're going to they're going to measure it after people get there and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's interesting that that this sort of comes along now, and why it's sort of interesting. And a lot of companies are going to go through this, and some of you may be going through this if you've never if you haven't been in the industry that long. Um, you're going to go through some things where you're going to see companies um, get rid of things, and they won't necessarily get rid of people. But they'll get rid of entire like groups, entire lines of business, and entire divisions, and entire product lines, and entire all sorts of things. And these things tend to happen, again, at the end of sort of good economic runs or you know big shifts in in the economy. And it's one of these things that um, you know again gets back to we're not really talking about productivity; we're talking about kind of making up for a lot of lack of, well, kind of overly ambitious leadership teams and sort of a lack of accountability. Because what ends up happening is you start deciding, well, our core business isn't growing fast enough, but we, or maybe it's too big. Maybe you, maybe you have, have maxed out as much as you can take of your core business and you've got to start getting into adjacent businesses. And adjacent businesses are really hard to do. Um, people tend to hire a lot of people. Anyways, where I'm going with all this stuff is 
it's not unusual for companies to get kind of bigger, um, kind of get less accountable. And what's really frustrating is when you start getting into these situations in which you start trying to figure out, okay, how do we drive greater productivity? Well, one of the first things that always ends up happening is you start looking at how many meetings do I have? How many managers do I have between me and somebody? How many things do I have to report? And you know, the hard part about it is when you start putting a measure on this, people start feeling like, okay, this came up, this has to be done immediately. And I, I feel like, and in, in, from experience, I feel like when you start doing this and you start saying, hey, we have to have this sort of immediate cost savings, cost reduction, efficiency, whatever, everybody wants to measure it in like immediate terms. And the reality is 20% is enormous. I mean, 20% is literally, think of it as it's an entire day of your week. If, you know, if you're just a, a standard doing work, you're not working on the weekends, that's an entire day of your week. So you've got to figure out how do I take what would be an entire day of my week um, and now compress it into the other four days of my week, right? That's a lot. That's a lot of stuff to do. And especially when you're going to start having, uh, unless you have a whole bunch of layoffs and you eliminate a whole bunch of the middle people between you and getting the work done, you're going to have a lot of people going, hey, what's the status update? Hey, have you updated the chart? Hey, have you updated the spreadsheet? Hey, have you updated uh, the tool that does some things? Hey, let's have a status meeting to review what you've done over the last week. Hey, let's measure whether or not over the last week you've been able to make some sort of progress on that. And the reality is that's probably the wrong thing to do. It's probably, it's fine to try and, you know, figure out the 20% thing. Maybe that's what you need for your business. Maybe that's what your business needs for, you know, uh, what your shareholders want, what's in the best use of, of your, of the money of the company, or, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's really in the best use of, of your customers, right? Maybe you're, you've gotten really sloppy and your customer satisfaction numbers have gone way down. Maybe your product quality numbers have gone way down and you find, okay, we're, we're not focusing enough, but you know, the hardest piece is it creates a real situation between leadership, um, which, ultimately grew the company, got it to where it was, probably made it too bloated, probably got it into too many groups. And then you're basically putting the accountability of that on your workers. And then in the case of, you know, some of these companies, like in the you know case of Google, and I'm just using, pointing them out because everybody knows who Google is, you know, they, they call this out and, and their CEO says, Hey, we need to, I need your feedback. I need you to tell me what's going on. And part of that's fair because the CEO doesn't have visibility, line of visibility way down into what's going on with a day-to-day worker or, you know, what they dislike. But, you know, ultimately putting that burden on them, um, you know, that's a, that's a tough equation to work out for people because you're essentially asking people to work 20% harder. You know, in some cases you're asking them to eliminate things and that's great. They probably love the idea of eliminating meetings, but, you know, when you're in a culture in which you measure things, um, you gotta be really careful that you don't measure them too much. Because, you know, <laughs> you may eliminate 20% of meetings and you're going to add 20% of status updates and 20% of crap. I don't, I have to speak at this next meeting, this next standup, and my number hasn't moved and it hasn't moved because, you know, not everybody else has figured out their 20% thing, or, you know, I'm in a situation in which I have a long-term thing to fix. I can't fix it in a week, right? So you got to be a little bit cautious, especially if you're leadership, as to driving these types of initiatives, as to what it does for people. Because a lot of times when things are good and things are great and it's a party and everybody's, it's a rocket ship and everything's going up, like, you know, people make really creative decisions and they make decisions because there aren't necessarily as many barriers or bottlenecks or whatever. 
But when you start putting those 20% things on people, um, you're going to start getting some behaviors that aren't what you expected because people are going to figure out how to game the system. They're going to figure out how to make that, that, you know, red, yellow, green status on a chart be green all the time. So they don't have to deal with the grief of you telling them, Hey, they're not getting stuff done. Um, but the other thing that I, I was reading as I was digging into this, um, and, and Brandon, Richard and I talked about this a little bit. We, we, you know, we talked about the idea of ROI ops and, and he talked about it on his podcast on software defined talk. There are some good things that come out of this stuff, right? So, you know, for example, and again, whether or not these things will be good or bad will, will be interesting to figure out, but like Amazon, uh, introduced this idea of something called the Amazon software builder experience. And you would think, oh, okay, that's, that's a brand new product from Amazon offered, out of the cloud, maybe it's, uh, you know, like well-defined architectures. No, in actuality, this ASBX, which I assume is like Asbox, is, I don't know, that's what they call it internally, but ASBX team, um, their job is because their developers were not being productive enough. But more importantly, their developers said, we are spending 33% of our time on repetitive tasks. And I don't know if it's that they felt that that was too high, probably. To a certain extent, they probably felt like they were bored. Um, and so Amazon said, we need to create a team to hopefully reduce toil and burden from you. Now, what's going to be interesting here is they don't, you know, as I look through and there's a, an interesting article and I'll point to the article in the, in the show notes, um, but it talks about this team's goals right? And what this team is there to do. And they're there to, uh, they come up with the following six tenets or guiding principles. And this is from an internal document. Um, you know, their job is to build uh, consistent interoperable environments. Great. Totally makes sense. And the second one's interesting. Customers benefit when software builders spend time on novel innovation. So in essence, they're not necessarily getting rid of their boredom. They're not necessarily getting rid of their repetition, but they're saying you need to focus on new and novel things. And one of the challenges with this is the timing of novelty, the timing of newness, the timing of really interestingness isn't all the time, right? It's It ebbs and flows, right? There are times when you do really interesting stuff. And then there are times when things sort of have to settle in. People have to figure out what it is. They have to understand it. Then they have to figure out uh, you know, what do I do with it? Does it make sense for me? Then they have to evaluate it. Then they have to figure out if I replacing something old with something new. And so it's interesting that they, they place novelty and the idea that, you know, their customers benefit most from novelty. Um, and, and that's what this team is there to do and to remove the boredom and stuff. But it is a weird thing because it sort of does go against the natural ebbs and flows of, you know, when things are new versus when things kind of, the market has to figure out what those things are. Um, so I thought it was interesting that, that Amazon was doing this. I think, you know, it's probably a good thing. Um, but to a certain extent, once you're starting to standardize stuff, um, you know, are you still allowing for freedom? Are you still allowing for creativity? Or are you really sort of hiding, hey, uh, we're, <laughs> we're trying to ask you for 20%, but we're just not going to call it the 20% sort of tax of what you're doing, right? The, the 20% um, thing. And in the case of Amazon, if they're really doing 33% repetitive stuff, maybe it's a 33% tax, who knows. Um, but what I wonder in this, as I, as I try and pull all this together for something that's not Amazon or Google related, is I wonder, you know, this, this ASBX team sounds a lot to me like this thing that gets kicked around in the industry as the platform engineering team. 
you know, or, you know, we talked about, uh, and, and our friend James Urquhart had a really good Twitter feed. Aaron talked about it this past week, I think on Sunday perspective, you know, kind of the idea that it's not just dev and ops, there's someone, you know, kind of a middleman in between that's helping to make sure that that infrastructure is built properly. It's operated properly. It's tied into CI and CD and so on and so forth. And we're starting to call that team sort of platform engineering. And to a certain extent, this ASBX team sounds to me a lot like some sort of platform engineering or, you know, consistency engineering type of team. And what I wonder, and I guess I'm I'm glad that Amazon is talking about this as opposed to Google talking about this, because number one, Google tends to do interesting things, influence people, but then, you know, people have to figure out like, how do I do that? Because we're not like Google. Um, and the second thing is I worry because platform engineering for a lot of companies, um, especially as they're kind of going through digital transformation or journey to the cloud or whatever, you know, app modernization, whatever they're calling it, these platform teams are really important. They're they're really probably their best bet, you know, uh, sort of the, you know, save us Obi-Wan, you're our best bet uh, at being able to do this cloud native stuff well. And I'm sort of glad that Amazon's doing it as opposed to Google doing it, because as we know, Google may kill stuff off. You know, they have a tendency, sometimes they get bored. It's not a launch. Um, so I'm sort of glad that Amazon is doing it because Amazon has a tendency to, uh, you know, continue things for long periods of time. And so I'm hoping that's the case. I'm hoping this idea of, you know, these sort of helper teams, um, and in this case, this ASBX team, which I think is very analogous to like a platform engineering team, I hope they succeed. And I could care less whether or not they help the developers at Amazon think world's less boring or whether or not, you know, Amazon comes out with more interesting things. They they have lots of interesting things, but at the same time, they have lots of things that, you know, people are perfectly happy that they're boring. They're great. They're fine. You know, EC2 is fine. It's great. S3 is great, right? It's fine. It works. It's not super exciting. I know they talk about ARM and other stuff as being exciting, but it's compute and that's great. You know, S3 awesome. It's really good stuff. I'm sure there's new features that'll come out. It's great. It's boring, but it does exactly what it's supposed to do. Um, and so, you know, there's times when, again, not everything needs to be novel. And sometimes we need to, you know, kind of be careful that we don't make innovation always the thing, right? You want to allow a certain amount of innovation. Uh, you also want to allow a certain amount of just sort of understanding what the ebb and flow looks like. And so it's going to be really interesting, I think, um, and this this show felt like it was a little scatterbrained as I was as I was talking through it. But I, I feel like there's there's two or three big threads in here, right? There's the there's the thread of, you know, if you're in leadership, you know, be be conscious that a lot of if you're now asking your teams to find that twenty or thirty percent productivity, that in a lot of cases you you brought that problem on them, and asking them to fix it is, uh, you know, it's a it's a big ask and. If you're not willing to sort of be part of fixing the problem as opposed to just measuring them, um, you're going to have a lot of angry people. I think the second thing I'm seeing in here is, you know, this idea that, um, you know, not everything needs to be novel all the time. And I know that sounds great. And it probably is a a wonderful tenant when you're a public company and, uh, you know, the the group that you're in is supposed to drive the, the most revenue for the company and the stock price and everything. But for most companies, you know, they can't take on novel and new all the time. They have to take on novel and new in chunks. They have to internalize it. They have to consume it. They have to reskill themselves. Um, so be careful with the, you know, everything has to be there to make it, you know, fun and interesting. Um, you know, fun and interesting is great at times, but it's sort of like, 
you know, sort of like my argument, like not everybody's a rock star. Not everybody is, you know, at the front of the band. There's plenty of people who are roadies, who carry the luggage, who set up the stage and they're an important part of it too. So you don't have to make everybody a rock star and not everything has to be, you know, unicorn level innovation. Sometimes just being boring and good is, is really important. And then the third thing is I'm hoping that, you know, of all the things that people take from learning about Silicon Valley or trying to emulate Silicon Valley, I think this ASBX thing, this sort of, you know, uh, there to help developers, I, I think that's a good thing. I'm glad that it's sort of getting some attention from, um, you know, from even companies like Amazon, because you never really heard Amazon and Google talking about these things because they were just sort of like, hey, buy my cloud. It's awesome. It's way more awesomer than your current IT team. And the reality for most companies that they realized was, you know, transitioning from new infrastructure and new applications is hard. Sometimes you need a helper in between. And it's good to see the cloud providers kind of recognizing that, yeah, even our internal teams, even the ones that we tell the world are the world's best and have the smartest people in the world and we pay them more than anybody else in the world, they need some help too. And so I'm, I'm hoping that team starts to get more visibility. I hope it gets talked about at reInvent. Uh, as much as Google talked about SRE, which was an interesting, cool concept, but people, you know, still don't totally know how to how to how to figure that out. But um, you know, maybe this ASBX thing will be very good at helping to figure out how to build these these platform teams because I think probably as much as anything, they are uh, they are really really important to you know most companies being able to do digital transformation, cloud native, all those sort of things well. So. Anyways, uh, if you got this far, you may have gotten the three important points out of it. I hope I didn't ramble too much. It felt a little rambly. I apologize for that. Anyways, uh, I hope people are doing well. Um, hopefully you're working out your Halloween costume. If you're getting ready for Halloween, it's coming up a couple weeks. Hopefully you're getting to enjoy some of this fall weather. Maybe you're seeing the leaves change wherever you are. Uh, if you're in Florida or some of the places devastated by the hurricane, uh, I hope you're doing okay. Um, we hope you're able to to get the types of things you need to get your life back together and, and you haven't been impacted too much. So a lot going on in the world. Um, hopefully you enjoyed the show. Uh, again, thank you all for listening. Um, we've had uh, just tremendous um, kind of support of the show this, this past year. Uh, we went over 11 million listens of all time. Um, yeah, just amazing. It, we, we can't sometimes fathom uh, how cool the Cloudcast community has become. And um so we're humbled and and thank you all for listening. Thanks for always giving us feedback. Thanks for telling a friend about the show. And uh, with that, we will be back and talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 